Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Carson Jones, and welcome to the Giant Voices podcast, also simulcast on the Build Your Empire Network. Excited to start this podcast. Actually, it's been a long time coming, and it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. A couple of years ago, I actually started a podcast and on Anchor. It was very easy, but I knew you know, with my overload of work, I wanted it to be something to when I started it again, I could go full force. And uh, now my career is just at a point to where I think it's a great time to jump back in. I want to provide a lot of value. My background, I, I run a, you know, a new age marketing company, PR, mainly podcast marketing and, and press. So we do a lot of cool stuff, work with a lot of clients, and I'm excited to share with you guys, you know, how to grow your podcast, how to build your audience, and more importantly, to, to start a podcast. You know, even for me, I've been in this industry a long time. Podcasting is what's kind of transformed my career. And for me, this was hard to start. I've actually been talking about starting this podcast for a little over a month. And for one thing or another, it got put on the back burner. And for me, I I think it, it goes hand in hand with what I want to talk about in this opening episode with just getting started. There's a lot of anxiety with starting something new because, you know, your biggest fear is what if it doesn't go right? What if it's not perfect? What if people don't like it? What if nobody listens? What if people, you know, what if I get negative feedback? So I think that's, that's the biggest thing is you almost have to get over that fear right away because there's always going to be something, you know, that keeps you from starting, something that, that's in the back of your mind is telling you no. And that initial anxiety will, will typically go away if, if you just get started. So I'd like to tell you guys, you know, in this first episode, I'd like to tell you guys a little bit more about my background how I, I went from selling senior final expense insurance. Yes, I was selling, you know, just over four years ago, I was selling burial insurance to people on social security that didn't have enough money to pay for their funeral costs. That was not fun. And in fact, I guess I'll, I'll just jump right into it. It was winter of 2015. I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I, it was, I was in Springfield, Ohio, which I live in Columbus, Ohio now. And Springfield's a, a suburb about an hour away, very small town. It was snowing. It was freezing cold. I was dead broke. I was not in a great place mentally, financially. My health was not in a great place. I just left an appointment where my the lady had told me she couldn't afford $30 a month to cover her burial expenses. And that was something that her family was just going to have to figure out. And that was, that was a real low moment for me for a couple of reasons. One, I was like, this is not what I set out to do. You know, growing up, I was always competitive. I always talked about how I was going to do big things. I was going to, you know, meet big people. I was going to have a big career. I was going to travel the world. I was going to be successful. And, you know, here I am broke, sitting in my car in the freezing cold an hour away from home, smelling like cigarettes, cat hair, and everything else that came with that clientele. And, you know, I remember just getting back in my car and thinking to myself, like, what kind of what went wrong here? Like, how did I get here? And, 
you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, do I drive back to Columbus or do I keep battling rejection? And like, what happened? So I started to, to think back and to give a little bit of, you know, my career background. I graduated from college in 2010. You know, they don't tell you then that, that was back when the, the economy was not great. Getting out of school, you know, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Originally, I went to school and had a broadcast journalism background. I always wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted to be an announcer. I was always the kid acting like I was announcing games as, as I was growing up. Got out of school, didn't have much direction, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I actually started into an entrepreneurial career in door-to-door sales. We were selling AT&T U-verse cable, sold energy door-to-door, and it was a great experience. But you know anybody that's ever done door-to-door sales, it's, it's not exactly... It wasn't the best long-term fit. So after doing it for close to two years, I moved to Philadelphia and did energy sales, decided that that was not the path. The 100% commission, you know, low commission door-to-door sales was not something I wanted to continue to pursue. It kind of felt like a scarlet letter of sorts because I felt like I had failed, which looking back, you know, now I realized that it was, it was a big win because I learned a ton. I learned sales. I learned how to interact with people. I learned you know, work ethic. It takes quite a bit of work ethic to push through and do door-to-door sales at 8.30 at night. You're, you're knocking on people's doors. It was the, the best thing I could have done. So after that, I kind of took that loss kind of hard, let people talk me into just going into a regular job. So I worked in everything from television ad sales, and then eventually ended up moving to Columbus, Ohio, and took a position with Huntington Bank selling insurance. So for, you know, three or four years, I was in insurance. I enjoyed the place I was working. I enjoyed the people I was working with, but I did not like insurance. And the entrepreneurial kick started coming to me. Eventually, I ended up, you know, leaving the bank, leaving the salary position that was, you know, had been good for me and just jumping back into entrepreneurship without a plan at all, which I don't recommend. But I did everything from energy sales. I started a roofing business. I did quite a few things just trying to chase that next guarantee of a six-figure salary. You know, coming out of school, like we all start chasing this dream of making six figures when in actuality, what I was doing is I was wasting time spinning my wheels because I was chasing other people's dreams. I mean, other people that knew what they wanted were convincing me why I should come work for them because they were going to help me make six figures, which in actuality... You're not going to make six figures. You're not going to be successful in anything that isn't what you're truly passionate about. Because whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working a job, like to make six figures or to be successful, you know, beyond that has to be something you're, you're passionate about because things do get hard. Times do get really difficult and you have to be willing to push through that. And if it's not something you, you enjoy doing or that at least you have some sort of driving force behind, you're going to quit when things get hard and you're going to look for the next thing. And because I didn't enjoy any of the things I was doing, I was just continuously bouncing from one thing to another, to another, to another. And that's why nothing was ever successful. So I really had to take a a long look in the mirror. You know, it's about that time I'm sitting there, you know, going back to Springfield, Ohio in the freezing cold. I'm I'm thinking like, I I can't do this. Like, I I do not want to be driving around selling insurance to senior citizens my whole life. Like, this isn't my future. This isn't what, what I wanted out of life. So I started listening to audiobooks. Like that was the one thing that that position really did for me is I, I was spending eight hours in a car every day and I knew the only way to pass the time was I had to listen to audio. That was the only thing getting me through appointment to appointment because honestly, I dread going into every home and talking to every person. 
It wasn't because of them. These were all very nice people. And the conversations with these nice people made it bearable. It was me because I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I wasn't following, you know, my passion and what, what inspires me. So around that time, I came across an audiobook titled Crush It by a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, who I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. And he started talking about, you know, these principles of building a business or building a career around something that you enjoy doing. And if you do that, you'll push through those hard times and you can be successful. I'd, I'd always been interested in the power of the internet because for me, you know, anybody that knows me knows that my driving force behind everything I do isn't necessarily finance. It's, it's not about making a lot of money. For me, it's always been about freedom. You know, I, I have friends that make a lot of money, but they sit at a desk for 80 hours a week. They dread going to work because even though they make a lot of money, they can't do anything with it. So I, I never wanted to be like that. I, I obviously I wanted to be successful because money is a driving force to freedom. And anybody that tells you money is a bad thing is lying. You can do a lot more good. You're a lot less stressed. Money is not a driving force of evil. It could actually be a much better driving force of good. So I knew I wanted to get into this online marketing space. I knew I wanted that financial freedom, but also the freedom of my time. So I sat back and I said, you know, what skills do I have? I knew I was a great networker. I, I enjoyed writing and I knew I had a good bit of creativity and that if I started on a path, something that I could eventually figure it out. At that point, I didn't know a thing about online marketing, but I knew I wanted to learn. So I began uh, self-educating myself. I listened to every audio book, every YouTube video I could find. I would listen to all of those. So one thing I knew I had, like I said, I, I knew I could write and I knew I could network and I knew I could build something. So biggest takeaway I took from that book was if you don't have anywhere to start, like start doing something for free for somebody that might hire you, or at least you can get some, some skills from it. So what I did is I started uh, doing outreach. At this point, blogging was still a thing. People were always looking for new content. People were always looking for articles and exposure. So what I did is I began reaching out to bloggers, writers, asking if I could, you know, now, now the term is ghostwriting, but I asked if I could write articles in exchange for mentorship or work, you know, or what, whatever I, it could be. You know, at that point, when you're broke, you have nothing to lose. So at this point, I just wanted a way out. You know, I just wanted some kind of something that could give me a way out of insurance and could give me some new hope and some new guidance. So I started doing that. I really enjoyed it. I was, I was writing feature articles, which I still do. You know, we'll, we'll get to that towards the end. I still do quite a bit of. I love writing features on people because you really get to learn, you know, what makes people tick. At the time, I was writing about influencers which was really cool because this was right before the influencer boom was really happening. So influencer marketing was still new. You know, it was, it was not necessarily, it wasn't as buzzworthy as, as it is now. And in a lot of a lot of ways, it wasn't as jaded as it is now. Influencer marketing has kind of been, it's become murky because of the value of attention, the value of, you know, audience engagement and everything else. So at that point it was still new. So people were still experimenting. We were learning a lot about the space, but I actually, over the course of that time, wrote you know, over 100 articles, you know, getting paid a little bit, but for the most part, getting no credit for it. I was writing under other people's names, you know, that was getting published under somebody else's names. And, you know, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of, I wasn't getting a lot of breakthrough. So a lot, around that time, I just tried to figure out everything I could. I remember I started drop shipping. 
you know, I, I remember building a watch company thinking like, this is, this is going to be it. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be rich. You know, I've heard, heard all these stories about people in drop shipping and, you know, that have done really well. And while there is a good place for drop shipping, my first experience was not great. It was a watch store. The watches took three weeks to deliver. When you got them, half of them were broken. It was not a great first experience, but I learned a ton. At this point, I had found a mentor. I'd learned how to build an audience. I learned about email marketing. I learned about funnels. I learned, you know, how to run ads. You know, I, I developed skills, which at the time I didn't know I was building because I just, all I saw was myself kind of failing over and over and over again. Like, why isn't this working? Why am I not getting results? You know, but what I, what I come to find out is, you know, you have to learn those skills before you can be successful. So along the way, like as I'm building this list, this point I had built an email list and an audience list that reached close to 20,000 people. So it was not, you know, not a small number by, by any means. I had no clue what I was doing. And we were just sending like daily articles to, to this audience. But I knew that there was something we could do there. And my obsession with information and learning had really gone into overdrive at this point. And I had really been trying to get information every way possible. I was listening to YouTube videos at the gym, audio books, like I'm constantly paying for audio books. And around that time, I discovered podcasting. All I was doing was looking for information, but podcasting really stuck out to me because it was what I was looking for. It was all the stuff I was looking for between the YouTube videos I was streaming and the audio books I was buying. And I realized this is the best of both worlds and it's free. So I knew that podcasting was was going to be big. I didn't know why I hadn't really heard of it. I would say I'd heard of the serial movement back in the day, but why wasn't podcasting you know, big now? It seemed like such a no-brainer. So when I just started digging into it, I, I just realized like podcasting is going to be going to be important. It's just a matter of time. So I really got obsessed with it. I, was, I had an iPhone, so logged on, I saw iTunes and I was like, there has to be something here. So I became obsessed with it. And I realized that there's, there's, there was really no natural way to market podcasts. If you want to convert your leads to a website, you run Google ads. If you want people, you want to grow your Facebook, Instagram, you know, want to generate ads, you run ads on those platforms. But on iTunes, there's not, there's not an ad platform. So there's no natural way to advertise your podcasts other than on other platforms. But what I did find is that there were the discovery ways for people to find podcasts on those on iTunes were either the new and noteworthy charts or the top charts, which after discovering the new and noteworthy charts, I found out and doing you know quite a bit of research, I found out that you had to be, you know, had to be a relatively new podcast to hit those charts. So I knew, well, that might that well, that's valuable. And it certainly is. Like if you can hit the new and noteworthy charts within the first eight weeks, it's very valuable. You see a huge boost in traffic subscribers, downloads. It, it is the way to jumpstart a podcast. And in future episodes, I definitely will talk about how to get your show featured on the new and noteworthy because there is a strategy to do so. But after that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to find something that was sustainable that would be valuable long-term with clients because I didn't want to just have a client for, you know, eight weeks, get them on new and noteworthy and then lose them. So what I did discover is that the top charts were there and I didn't know how they worked at the time. I just assumed it was sheer volume. You know, people like Gary Vee were up there and, you know, he had massive download numbers. So I just assumed it was that. After doing a ton of research, come to find out that none of this other stuff mattered. You know, everybody, all the research was talking about, you know, how total subscribers were important, how downloads were important, ratings were important, reviews were important, you know, just newsflash, none of that stuff 
is important at all when it comes to the top charts on Apple Podcasts. At the time, it was called iTunes. Now it's called Apple Podcasts. And that was kind of my aha moment because I figured out that the only thing that mattered for those charts was new subscribers. So if none of that other stuff mattered and it didn't matter whether I had 80,000 subscribers or it was a brand new podcast, the only thing that mattered was the new subscribers. So, you know, just being curious as I am, try to figure out like, how can we send new subscribers to a podcast and see if we can really move these charts? So without giving away my entire strategy, which it's, it's far sophisticated now, we ran our first ever giveaway to our audience. I know some of you probably use giveaways, whether that's, you know, to grow your Instagram, whether that's to get engagement, whether whatever it may be. Some of you may have even tried this to grow your podcast. They work very well. So we ran our first giveaway, ran it to, to our audience. And actually within a week or so, the podcast I tested jumped into the iTunes top 50 charts. And that was, that was a huge moment for me. I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to be an overnight millionaire. I figured this out. Come to find out, it wasn't that easy. We had to go back to the drawing board. We had to continue to build the audience. We had to continue to 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 grow and you know do different things to keep this going. Because one giveaway, maybe it, it worked for a little bit, but we had to keep doing it. We had to keep building this new subscriber base, or else you know it really wasn't valuable anymore. So what I did was I figured something out, but now I had to take it to the world. And at this time. You know, some people are marketing podcasts, but some people really don't care. You know, nobody, it's, it's kind of new. People understand, okay, I want to grow a podcast. I, I, need, I need an audience, but people didn't really understand the value of the audience the way they do today. So what I did was kind of the, the same strategy that I did when I first got into, into the industry is, you know, if, if you have something that you're good at, you can either, you know, start by charging very little and, and get clients like that. But I don't like to do that. I think if you do that, you end up chasing the bottom. You end up chasing the people that are just going to pay very little. And the low paying clients are the toughest to deal with. The reason that they're so tough to deal with is because if you have somebody that's pinching you for, you know, a $300 or $500 contract, that means that that's probably all the money that they have. So they're going to be a lot tougher to work with because they're going to expect so much more than the client who can willingly spend $5,000 a month because that client that can willingly spend $5,000 a month, he's got a budget, he's successful, and that's who you want to work with. Now, the key is you have to demonstrate value because if you can't demonstrate value, that person that pays $5,000 is not going to work with you. And if they do, they're not going to be very happy or they're going to want their money back. So my strategy, one that I would recommend to anybody that's getting started on anything new is Find people that you want to work with and do the work for free. Offer to do the work for free. Say, I can do this and then execute on it and don't ask for a thing. Because what you can do is now after you execute and you show them the results that you can get, now you can go back and say, okay, I've gotten these results for you. Here's my fee. And now you've got something to prove to them and say, this is why I'm worth so much. I ran this campaign for free and it generated X, Y, and Z. So if you can do that, now you can name your price because you're doing it based off of your value and not just saying what you're worth. The other nice thing about this strategy was it allowed me to get a ton of really good case studies, allowed me to work with people that might not have given me the time of day because I had, you know, I had really no basis. I had no leg to stand on at this point. So why would people even talk to me? So in some cases, I would even do the work 
and then message them. I would almost like kind of call my shot Babe Ruth style where, you know, I would show, you know, hey, you're not ranking right now. You know, I'm going to run a campaign for you. And then two or three days later, I would send them like kind of the analytics of the campaign. And then they're like, okay, what's going on? That's how you get your foot in the door. So, you know, by doing that, I was, I've, I was able to eventually land my first client. You know, fast forward to today, you know, we've been able to work with some of the biggest media companies in the world. We've been able to work with tech millionaires, Hollywood celebrities, NFL pro bowlers, NBA champions, you know, people that I've considered idols for my entire life. And it was all because I did it for free and kind of proved my value. And then word of mouth starts to travel because people want to know, okay, how, how is your podcast exploding? How is your brand exploding? You know, we, we want that too. And people are willing to share their success stories. And if you do a good job, people love to refer people because that's, you know, that's, that's how the industry works. If something works, people want to tell people about it, or sometimes they want to, you know, keep it a secret because they don't want everybody to know about it. And, you know, we've, we've had to go through that too, which that's not a bad thing at all. So from there, I knew that I didn't want to just be the podcast marketing guy. The medium is still so new. And I just, I didn't want to just be stuck on it because at any point Apple could say, okay, we're, we're not doing a ranking system anymore, or, you know, we're not doing this, you know, they could completely change their discovery method overnight. And now I'm, I'm kind of stuck. So, you know, I didn't want to go to bed and wake up one morning and then be just completely out of business. So I remember talking to, uh, to one of my mentors, a very good friend of mine, his name is Carlos Reyes. And Carlos told me, he said, Carson, you know, you're, you're not just a, a podcast marketer, you're a version of a new age public relations company. And it really struck me because it made a lot of sense. The PR industry used to be, you know, you put out a press release, you know, you submitted it to a ton of outlets and business would come to you. That doesn't work these days. Like the internet is noisy. You have to do something else to break through. You have to get people to care, not just put something out and hope something comes to you. So I, I really took that to heart because that's what podcasting is. It's, it's a medium to put your brand and your voice out there in a, in a way that you can't anywhere else. You know, on Instagram, you know, you can do short videos, short snippets, the captions, you know, even in an article, you, you can almost hide behind the perception of you. Whereas when you put your voice and your personality on tape, you can break through in a different way. There's no, there's no faking it when it comes to audio, your personality, your expertise comes through right away. So I started thinking to myself, you know, how can we continue to add value? You know, I've got all these relationships. I've built, you know, this big network of podcasters, media members. Like how can I, how can I evolve that and provide more value to my clients? So we started thinking and I decided, why don't we start booking people on other people's shows? You know, one of the biggest ways to, uh, to grow an audience, you know, outside of, unless you're an influencer with a big audience where you can send people directly to your podcast, or, you know, you've got some kind of way of engagement, or you've got an audience like we do, you know, unless you have something like that to drive an audience, the best way for somebody to actually grow an audience on a podcast is by appearing on a podcast that's already established. Why does that work so well? A couple of different reasons. One, when you align yourself with an established host, it immediately gives you credibility. You know, that host has spent years of doing a podcast. He's spent years of building a brand, of building an audience that trusts him. So now when that, when that host has you on their show, that audience immediately trusts you. So that's a huge factor right away. Second to that, now you're able to get in front of a niche audience. You know, some of these people that we book on, these shows have 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000 listeners. And if you can, one, have the credibility from that host, and then that audience likes what you have to say, 
you know, imagine selling out Staples Center, 20,000 people in LA, and you get to talk to them, share your story. And if they like you, they're either one, going to listen to your podcast, two, they're going to look you up, three, they're going to follow you, you know, on a social platform. It just allows you to connect with a new audience that's already interested in something similar to what you have to say. So we started doing that. And in exchange, you know, when we book somebody on a podcast, we would promote that show. So it became a win-win for everybody. And I think that's important because, you know, when you're collaborating, when you're networking, when you're trying to make things happen in this industry, it's all about how can this become a win-win for everybody? And that's how you end up generating referrals. That's how you end up expanding your brand. One thing leads to another. And that's, that's how this game really works. Like they really say like your network is your net worth. And it, it really is like my, my career has taken off since we started doing this and started expanding our network through the guest booking, because it's just, it's forced me to connect with so many new people and so many new brands. And it's, it opens up so many opportunities. So like, if you have something that you're really good at, don't be afraid to do it for free. Don't be afraid to connect with other people that could use your service because that's just going to open up so many other doors. So as we're doing that, you know, a lot of these people that I'm booking podcasts for and on their podcasts, they also had, you know, a lot of these people had writing credentials at some of the biggest press platforms in the world, places like Forbes, Entrepreneur, NASDAQ, USA Today, Huffington Post, like the biggest publications in the world. And what we found is that, you know, as we are starting to book, as we're starting to grow podcast audiences, as we're booking people on other shows, we're, we're building the story around our clients. So people are putting their, their stories out there. And, you know, these are compelling stories. You know, a lot of people, they think their story is not interesting and they don't have something interesting to say, but everybody's story is unique. And if you're, if you're good at telling it, and if we can kind of get it out there, those outlets will pick it up like that. And that's the, the next leg that we were able to add is now we're able to get our clients exposure through podcasts, whether it's boost building their podcasts and then getting them on other shows. And now we're able to pitch these huge publications and say, hey, we've got a fresh story and we've already got a great relationship. Like we've done work together. Now all these publications are starting to pick up our clients when we're pitching these stories. So, you know, now it all went from you know, starting to learn how to market podcasts. And now we've created this whole triangle wave of, of new age PR. And, you know, if, if anything, I know this, uh, this story's kind of been all over the place, but if anything, I hope that it teaches people that, you know, you just start somewhere, you know, at this point for my curiosity of just wanting to get in the online space, you know, starting writing for bloggers. And now we work with an Instagram network that reaches 250 million people worked with over 250 podcasts, work with some of the biggest brands in the world. We publish people on over 50 different publications, the biggest ones in the world. And, you know, it all started just out of a curiosity and to be honest, a lot of internet failures. So just winding down this about episode, I just hope this reaches somebody to, to start, you know, to, to try something new, to try something scary, you know, cause even, even for me, like pressing play on this podcast gave me anxiety. You know, it's, it's not easy. You know, you wonder, you know, once I start, like, is anybody going to care? You know, I hate listening to myself speak. It's, it's not fun for me, but I know it's important because if you can't put yourself out there, you can't get discovered. If you aren't willing to kind of put your neck on the line, how are other people going to find you? Why would anybody else want to work with you? So if anything, I hope the story will get somebody to start something new, to try something scary and without knowing all the answers. You know, I think that's the biggest reason people don't start something new is that they don't know the end. And 
you're never going to have the end. You know, you're not going to have all the answers when you start something. And if you do, what you're going to find out is when you actually do start that thing, the end is not going to be at all what you thought it was going to be. You know, where I thought we were going to go when I first started down this venture is nowhere close to what it is now. And I think that's the cool thing is you have to continuously evolve, especially if you're going to go in the digital space or any industry, you're going to continue to evolve. And those failures along the way are going to help you learn and it's going to help you with the next thing. So as I'm failing through things like drop shipping and, you know, all the other things that I tried, it wasn't a failure. It was just something I learned that helped me with the next step. You know, while maybe the drop shipping didn't work, it taught me how to build email lists. It taught me how to run ads. It taught me everything that I would need to know on the next step of the way to be successful. So I'm really excited about this podcast. I'm excited to kick it off. I'm excited to interact with everybody on Instagram. My name is Carson Jones, C-A-R-S-O-N-J-O-N-E-S with two S's. I'd love to hear your all's feedback and I'd love to answer any questions. If you have any questions about podcasting, growing an audience, starting a podcast, you know, I, I try to respond to every single message and I'd love to help. You know, I know there's not a lot of people out there that are actually giving people practical advice on how to grow an audience. As we get into this, I want to answer questions. I want to be interactive. I want to actually help people, you know, practical advice, whether that's questions like what microphone should I get to record at home or whether that is I have an audience of 20,000. How do I get it to 50,000 and everything in between? You know, that's my goal to be able to help the starting podcaster and the guy that's going from really big podcasts to massive podcasts. And we've done all those in between. Would love to chat more. Appreciate you guys listening and uh, welcome again to the Giant Voices podcast. And I look forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices podcast. If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore Voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.